0: My name is Jeffrey Sidoris, and this is Iteration 56. Adrian and I were in the car the other day. I don't remember where we were going, but I do remember that we were listening to classic vinyl on XM because we both really dig Meg Griffin. The Low Spark of High-Heeled Boys by Traffic came on, and whatever conversation we were in the middle of stopped. We just listened to this incredible song written by Steve Winwood and Jim Capaldi. If you've never heard the track, it's basically a 12-minute jam that ebbs and flows in dynamics and complexity with a 24-year-old Winwood singing over the top of it. The musicianship is fantastic, and listening to it got us talking about creative complexity and how looking at or listening to something that's artistically... Or even technically just out of our reach can be wildly inspiring, both as a fan and as a maker. For example, I love jazz, but if I'm being honest, there's an awful lot of it that I just don't understand. There are records by Miles Davis, John Coltrane, Thelonious Monk, and a host of others that are beyond what I'm capable of processing as music. I played trumpet and drums a little when I was younger, so I have some degree of knowledge about musical structure, but when I listen to certain artists and I try to find the groove they were in when they were recording, Often it's just beyond me, but I still listen to them because it's in trying to understand the things that we don't understand that growth happens. The same goes for artists like Robert Rauschenberg, Cy Twombly, and Mark Rothko. While I now count each of them as favorites and some of the biggest sources of inspiration for my own work, it definitely wasn't love at first sight. I remember the first time I saw a painting by Mark Rothko. It was in a book about modern art, and frankly, I just didn't get it. To me, it looked more like color swatches than a finished piece. It wasn't until I saw some of his actual paintings in a museum and read about what he was trying to do with his work that I felt any sort of connection. Rothko wanted his paintings to dominate the viewer's field of view, so much so that he actually suggested viewing them from 18 inches. With his color field paintings, Rothko was trying to express and wanted the work to evoke an emotional response. He said, I'm not interested in the relationship of color or form or anything else. I'm interested only in expressing basic human emotions, tragedy, ecstasy, doom, and so on. My experiences with Rauschenberg and Twombly weren't much different, though Twombly's work has taken me longer to really appreciate. Regardless, even though the work didn't grab me at first blush, through research and continued exposure to their work and the work of their contemporaries, I've been able to develop an understanding of not just the work, but the scene in which it was created. And that's one of the other things that deep diving an artist does. It leads you to other work. Rothko wasn't painting in a vacuum. He was part of a whole group of painters like Pollock, Helen Frankenthaler, Willem de Kooning, and Barnett Newman. These were the abstract expressionists, and if you didn't really click with one, chances are you would probably click with another. I tend to click with pretty much all of them at one point or another in their careers, and I pick and choose how they influence my work. Or sometimes it just seeps in and you step back from a piece and go, huh where did that come from or that sort of reminds me of whoever to bring this back full circle the same can be said for music there's a terrific documentary called echo in the canyon that's all about the music scene that was happening in the 60s and 70s in laurel canyon you had bands like the beach boys and crosby stills and nash and the mamas and the papas they all live near each other in this little enclave in la and were making music and listening to each other and playing on each other's records. They inspired and influenced each other, and the music they made influenced the next generation of artists like Tom Petty, Eric Clapton, Jackson Brown, and then the cycle repeats. And this is where I think something like Instagram can actually stifle inspiration and creativity. The core mechanic is based on immediacy. Flick, like, repeat. By and large, there is no context beyond what someone chooses to write as a caption, and really no way to follow a tangent to connect to another artist. Combine that with the fact that there is just so much to look at. It's constant. And it really doesn't give you a chance to take a breath and just sit with something for a bit. Adrian calls it catch-and-release creativity. Don't get me wrong, there's a ton of great work being shared, and I've been turned on to quite a few artists who I find really inspiring. But it takes some doing. Since we don't know how the algorithm works, we have no idea what criteria is being used to populate our feeds or display what appears on the search page. I suppose you can look at the people you follow and see who they follow, but you still have no idea why they follow them, what that connection is. So while there is some discoverability, it's not the same as a curator assembling a show or an artist talking about what inspires them. As many of you know, I've been reading a lot about Brian Eno lately, and the more I read or watch about him, the more fascinating I find him. He talks about something he calls "senius," which presents the idea that those who we hold up as the lone genius in art, literature, music, even science, were in most cases part of a scene of lots of different people, what Eno calls an ecology of talent. And this is exactly what we see in the examples of the abstract expressionists and the musicians in Laurel Canyon. And just as an aside, while Brian Wilson wrote Pet Sounds largely by himself, he says the inspiration for it came from Rubber Soul by the Beatles. Once Pet Sounds was finished, Bruce Johnston took the record to London and played it for John Lennon and Paul McCartney. The story goes that they listened to it twice, then spent the rest of the night at the piano writing what would become Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I think the whole point of this iteration is to encourage you to look for a deeper connection to the work that you find interesting. Who inspires the people who inspire you? Who do they hang out or collaborate with? What do they read, watch, or listen to? One of the things I miss most about records is the liner notes. Getting to read who worked on the record or what inspired the artist in their own words often sent me on tangents I never would have discovered otherwise. For example, Neil Peart introduced me to the work of Ayn Rand, John Dos Passos, and John Barth, and Sting turned me on to Carl Jung, who led me to Joseph Campbell, who led me to Bill Moyers. Going deeper gets you past the obvious. I tried to find a quote that would sum all of this up, and instead I found two that I think really helped get to the heart of what I'm trying to say. The first one is by Jason Silva, who said, Creativity and insight almost always involve an experience of acute pattern recognition. The eureka moment in which we perceive the interconnection between disparate concepts or ideas to reveal something new. The second one comes from Steve Jobs. Creativity is just connecting things, Jobs said. When you ask creative people how they did something, they feel a little guilty because they didn't really do it. They just saw something. It seemed obvious to them after a while. That's because they were able to connect experiences they've had and synthesize new things. In the show notes, you'll find links to some of the things I've talked about in this episode. Subscribe to iterations in your favorite podcast app. You can also get everything I produce, every iteration, every in-between, and every process driven along with special one-off conversations all in one feed by subscribing to Jeffrey Sedoris Everything. Connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Jeffrey Sedoris. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S or on my website at jeffreysedoris.com. If you'd like to share some feedback or just let me know what you're working on, email me at talkback at jeffreysedoris.com. I'd love to hear from you. Support the shows by sharing them on social media, leaving a review or a rating on iTunes, or by tapping the green donate button in the top right corner of my site. I'll be back next week with another show and I hope you'll join me. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for being here. I appreciate your time and I'll talk to you on the next one.